Welcome to Talk About. On Talk About, our goal is to sit down with open-minded people for open and honest discussion. No judgment, no hidden agenda, just getting the conversation started. This week, we're joined by nuclear engineer and black hole aficionado, Kat Vismuller. Listen in as we discuss the exciting and sexy topic of black holes. What are they? Where do we find them? And what's going on in there? Sit back and enjoy the show. All right. So we are here live in studio, which is amazing. Uh, and then to get everything kicked off, let's uh, do an in-person cheers, shall we? Cheers. Cheers. It's, uh, it's really exciting for me to be able to have you on the show, not because you're my girlfriend, but because I really respect your thoughts and, and opinions and your research and your interest in science and black holes and whenever we talk about this stuff you you just light up so it's going to be very cool to pick your brain on this and you have uh, you've done a little bit of research you did a little bit of digging around on this but i guess to kick things off i'm kind of curious you're on the nuclear power side of things and you're really fascinated with space in particular black holes like you you really you really get interested in that. what is it about black holes that intrigues you so much like what drew you to them so to speak no pun intended <laughs> at all my educational background is in engineering physics and uh, i work in the nuclear industry and so we deal a lot with uh, i mean especially in my university degree we learned about particles we learned about forces we learned about all these things that make up the standard model of our universe and uh in this case i get to apply it to nuclear reactions right but there's other things that physics can uh start to try to explain and that, those are things like space planetary motion what's going on inside of stars how galaxies form a lot of these are still big questions and to one of the major extremes, probably the most extreme thing that you could ever see in the galaxy is a black hole. So for the longest time, when it comes to black holes, this was the stuff of sci-fi. Like it, it was very science fiction in terms of the theories surrounding it, because that's really all, all we have at this point in our theories. We've seen them depicted in movies. Um, especially some of the dives that we've taken over the past little while. Yeah. And, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey and, you know, one of our other favorite movies, uh, which is... Interstellar. Interstellar. And I know that you took a small dive into that movie, mm -hmm. I think, on your second podcast episode. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I really enjoyed listening to that. Yeah. I think that for a really long time, since the late 1700s, um, some mathematicians were just playing around with Newton's theory of gravity, right? The what goes up must come down. They were just doing some math on some probably napkins or the backs of some, you know, notebooks saying, hey, what happens if, you know, you get something that's hugely massive, like so, so, so you get uh, the mass of like, you know, a million suns and you compress it into this tiny, tiny, tiny spot. Like, could you make it so big that the gravitational force would be so strong that you wouldn't even be able to get away from it, even if you were traveling at the speed of light. So what we have is even on Earth, right, there's something called an escape velocity. You have to go, and that's why we have rockets and, and stuff like that. You have to go at a certain speed to actually escape 
the gravitational pull of the Earth. So in a case of a black hole or something that is infinitely compressed like that, you would have to have something like the speed of light. Or in the case of a black hole, even if you had the speed of light, you wouldn't be able to escape. So they were thinking about this stuff in the 1700s. Well, that's something that always blows my mind. I talk about it a lot, you know, what was happening back in even pre-recorded history. I'm sure that they were even coming up with theories. But when you go back to 1700s and we think that we are so advanced now, mm -hmm. uh, but yet these people were, were talking about these theories a lot longer, um, a, a lot longer or a period of time before the equipment was ever even available for them to test their theories. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then Einstein was able to, like in 1915, he actually released his famous theory of general relativity. Like I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it, um, even though it's hard to explain, right? But it basically goes uh, E equals MC squared. You see that in cartoons. You see that all over the place, right? Um, but it basically explains how gravity works on like really big scales, really small scales, and how it starts to affect things like time, um, where the, the theory of, I guess the saying that time is relative can really be shown in math. Um, if you're traveling at like a high acceleration, speed will actually travel slower for you. So you will mm. age less if you're accelerating. So there's so many things that I want to get into on this because we have had a lot of chats <laughs> about two of my favorite topics. One, time, which I'm obsessed with. <laughs> and two, this quote unquote theory of gravity. Theory this, of gravity. This thing <laughs> that they say exists that is the weakest of the four. Wow, look at this. Uh, someone's been doing some science studying. Yeah, this is pretty much as far Love as it goes. It. So, you Everything know, <laughs> so how many fundamental forces are there? There's four fundamental forces. Incredible. And this is the weakest one of the four. Now, it's the weakest in terms of those four. And it's the weakest by far. By far. Yeah. But not weak, though, right? Like, I think this is the thing that I find interesting is if you just say gravity is weak. Mm -hmm. Gravity's not weak. It's weak in comparison to the other three. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, like... If it's I real. think if you went uh, onto the street and asked a bunch of people why gravity is the weakest, um, a lot of people wouldn't even know. They would be like, no, gravity's strong. It's the reason that I'm stuck on the Earth. It's the reason I don't just fly or float away. Yeah, that's what I would think. It's pretty strong, right? It's the reason that we orbit the sun. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's kind of a big deal, right? It's kind of important to our survival. So you have the weakest force being gravity, the strongest force, electromagnetism? Uh, no, that one's actually called the strong force. Oh, that's the strong yeah. force. Oh, yeah. that's right. They actually <laughs> nailed it with that one. So mm -hmm. they, they just went full bore right on the nose this is the strongest, so we'll call it the strongest. Yeah, they didn't call it, you know, the LMNOP whatever force, <laughs> like normally in physics, right? <laughs> so you have the strong force being the strongest force. You have gravity being the weakest force, mm -hmm. electromagnetism, and sorry, what's the force? It's called the weak force. It is the weak force. Okay. Yeah. But the weak force is not as weak as gravity. No, oh, it's God. just the weak force in terms of nuclear, inside of a nucleus. Okay. So there's a strong nuclear force and the weak nuclear force, and just the strong happens to be stronger. Of course it does. Thankfully. Oh, goodness. It's easier to understand or remember. So it is. it does make a lot of sense then when they talk about those forces that gravity would be at the bottom of that 
electromagnetism, for instance, like mm-hmm. you're going to feel that electric shock go through your entire body. Totally. Right. There's no, there's no surprising you on that. Yeah. But we don't feel gravity. We don't really know it's there. We don't really see any evidence of it other than the theories that we've created that seem to make a lot of sense. And this is the sticking point that I get on. <laughs> and of course, I understand it's just me kind of, you know, creating a stir. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's plenty of other people as well. But I mean, how would you prove to me that gravity is a real thing? Well, you take an apple, you throw it in the air, <laughs> and if it comes back down to you, it's not the result of some giant pushing it back down or some whatever crazy theory you come up with. It's actually the gravitational force of the earth pulling on that apple. And just to be clear, the apple is pulling on the earth as well, right? And I think I told you this in the early stages of our relationship. And, and I you don't... still stayed with me, which was unbelievable. And but... No, 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 oh, okay. no. That's not what I'm saying. I told you this in the early stages of our relationship. And I don't, I think you thought it was a come online or something like that. (laughs) But what I was trying to say was that there's, there's a force of attraction between any objects, any two objects that have mass. So you're attracting the earth and the earth is attracting you. But since the earth is so much more massive, it has so much more mass, it's attracting you much more strongly than you're attracting it. Interesting. So it will pull it, it will pull us to it before we will pull it to us. You're still pulling it to us. Okay. So you but, are still affecting it. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, here's a simple question. <laughs> here's an here's another question. <laughs> Who knows if they're simple or even make any sense, but I'm just gonna go with it. If it's pulling us because I when I'm thinking of throwing the apple up in the air mm-hmm. and it comes down, the one thing I think about is okay, if it's not gravity, then maybe it's just that we are down from where the apple is. So there's an up and a down. Okay. Okay. Are we being pulled down into the earth? How, how is that working? How are we being pulled? What direction are we being pulled in? Why aren't we being pulled up? Why aren't we being pulled off to the side? Why is it down? Well, have you heard of the term center of gravity? Mm-hmm. So think of basically the center of the gravity is the center of the earth. And the center of you is probably somewhere in the middle of your chest. Mine is a little bit lower because I'm a woman and we have different, like our mass is distributed differently, but it's about the center of our body somewhere. So picture like an arrow pointing from that point inside you pointing at the center of the earth. Okay. And so that's where you're being pulled to. So as a general rule then that the center of anything is the, is what is being pulled towards each other? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. buy, I'll buy that for now. And so all of these crazy theories um, are what Newton used and all of his friends, like the guys we were talking about who were predicting planetary motion, uh, the idea the, that the Earth was not the center of the universe, the people who were actually using the math and using the theories of gravity and, and you know, rotational dynamics, they said, hey, listen, it really doesn't look like the Earth is at the center of everything. It looks like the Earth's kind of going around the sun. And there's other planets going around the sun. And the sun's going around the center of the galaxy. And maybe the galaxy even, galaxy's even moving too. So there's all these theories of relative motion. And they were directly from the theories of gravity. So the theory of gravity being that the center of that mass is what's going to create the biggest pull. 
So we're talking about the sun in this in this case, right? Yeah, but if you have everything pulling on everything, like Jupiter's pulling on us too. Mm -hmm. uh, Jupiter's pulling on Saturn. Saturn's pulling on Neptune. Everyone's pulling on each other. And that's what kind of locks things into systems. So this whole universe and the planets orbiting around the sun mm -hmm. being the center point, there is just enough gravitational pull to keep these things at their distance. Now, I know that there are exp like the expanding universe um, theories and, and, well, measurements now. Measurements, they actually have yeah. that now. Hubble it's not, saw is seeing that. Yeah. So... I guess, well, what do they think is happening with that? Do we know at this point in time? Is the gravitational pull, is it the age of the sun causing less of a pull and allowing the, the planets to expand out more and more into the universe? That's a really interesting question because I think it depends on the masses mm -hmm. and their speeds mm -hmm. and their rotations. There's a lot of forces moving all over the place. So it's not like we're not getting that much farther from the sun the sun isn't like losing mass at an alarming rate or anything like that but the fact is that space is kind of expanding mm -hmm. um don't physicists don't really have a theory for that yet yeah um but they are noticing that space is expanding so things are getting farther apart all the time and they don't really know why no because there's a lot of factors i guess that are that are into this of course but... yeah so what's really interesting about that is that really there's I think maybe, I'm not sure if you read in your theory, in your study of gravity or trying to prove or disprove it. <laughs> Still working on that, <laughs> on my thesis. <laughs> but there's only two ways to um, kind of cancel out gravity, right? You can apply a force against gravity, right? Like if you hold a magnet up to a, a paper clip, clip and lift it off your table, you're counteracting gravity, but that's just another force. But the only way to like actually cancel out gravity or the theory that we have is through the observation of the expanding universe, right? Masses are supposed to attract each other, right? We should mm -hmm. be getting all closer together. Why is space Why is space expanding? Mm -hmm. Doesn't really make sense, right? And then the other theory um, that would predict like a cancel cancellation or actually a negative gravity would be... <laughs> A spinning black hole. Spinning black hole. So then let's let's dive into it. Let's <laughs> let's go for it. I mean, at this point in time, the other thing is pretty fantastical. It's it's even bigger than we know at this. If there's something yanking us away, that is more of a mass than the sun. Yeah, that, right? that theory right now is called dark matter. Okay. It's not clear what that even is. It makes up like ninety five percent of our universe, and scientists have no idea. So it's basically just 95% of what we don't know. Yeah. I mean, even one theory, because black holes are very sexy. They're very popular, uh, especially in the last couple of years. There's been a lot of physics, a lot of even Nobel Prizes in physics uh, awarded to, to people studying black holes. One of the theories to explain that expansion, um, as I was saying, because black holes are very sexy right now, is what if dark energy and dark matter is just made out of black holes? Mm. Um, there's... So they'll be linking the two theories then. What's pulling the universe apart being black matter. Dark matter. Dark matter, sorry. Yeah. And black holes being something that we can actually observe at this point. Yeah, we, they're we like, recognize. we can't really see them. So maybe they make up dark matter. Oh my God. But there's really no, I just wanted to throw that out there because sure. it's fun. And because black holes are kind of. They're like the fun explanation to all the unknown stuff right now, mm -hmm. right? 
hey, why is that happening over there? Maybe it's black holes. Hey, where did my cookies go? Oh, maybe it's black holes. Right? So they see an anomaly and a bending of, of light or an absence of space and they just assume it's black hole. It's Yeah. I mean, they're trying to, trying to apply a theory to explain the unexplained so far. And that's really what a lot of scientists, what a lot of physicists do, right? Mm-hmm. You see something, you wonder why it exists, you wonder why things behave the way they do and you look around hey do we have any theories that might explain this no okay let's try to make one up and then test it and that's how science works i i i dig it i have no problems with it the only thing i'm thinking of is do we get stuck down a wrong path for too long until somebody comes along and says actually you're completely wrong on that so yeah i think i think that that's it right like black holes are a bit of a fad so if you're if you're really chasing down these extreme situations and making these extreme assumptions you might not arrive at the truth so do we have any idea when the thoughts of black holes first kind of came to the forefront for scientists yeah um in einstein's theory of general relativity he was trying to figure out like I said before, how time works relatively. Um, he was trying to explain, he was basically trying to achieve a theory of everything, try to explain how the universe works. So combining electricity, magnetism, gravity, um, you know, and, and coming up with crazy things like time dilation, which we've been able to experience with, you know, space travel and stuff like that. But only he was able to explain how light could be affected by gravity. So like, like we were talking about before, things with mass are always gravitationally attracted to each other, right? So I have mass, you have mass, this house has mass. However, light photons do not have mass. So why would they be affected by gravity? Einstein figured that out and then figured out that light could be sucked into something that has enough gravity. And then they figured out, wow, these things from whose it's called the event horizon okay the part around the black hole that you can't escape even if you had the speed of light okay so if you're traveling at the speed of light and you can't get out of that thing guess what that means no light is coming out of it if you shoot a light beam through a black hole it's not coming out the other side Hmm. so the thing is gonna look black so we have obviously no idea what happens to the light once it goes into the black hole no absolutely not so the fun thing about this event horizon and i mean there's been movies and and i'm sure it's in like it's in the vernacular right like oh we've reached the event horizon (laughs) (laughs) that's basically once you reach that point once you pass that point no information can leave Mm -hmm. so if you're traveling through if you're traveling into a black hole just for fun we're you know we're on a trip yeah I, I go through the through the event horizon, you stay on the other side, and I try to send you any signal, whether it's a wave or, you know, like a hand wave or a radio wave or a light wave, none of that's getting to you. So any information, anything that goes past the event horizon of a black hole is never coming out. Well, so that's insane, right? Because really a skeptic can say we've created the theory on something that we can never prove. That's true, because you can never go... Well, you could go. You won't survive. You won't survive. We, we kind of know that for sure. And that's there are gravitational effects there that I can talk about later. Yeah. Um, but 
you can't go in there and report back. No, it's not like sending a probe out to Jupiter. Yeah. Right? It may take a while to get there, but it's going to get there. It's going to get there. And then it'll send some late waves back that'll travel around the speed of light. And we'll get it. So the only way, theoretically speaking, to get out of this black hole is to have something that moves how many times faster than the speed of light, which is the thing that we know moves the fastest. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. That is the speed limit of the universe. Okay, so if we have to exceed the speed limit of the universe, do we have any idea as to what factor we have to exceed it by? That would depend on the mass. Okay, so we're just talking about whatever black hole we decide to do. Like if we go to black hole number three, Mm -hmm. then depending on the size of that, we could calculate out approximately how long it would take if we could even get something out of there to begin with yeah so just like from the earth you know if if we compressed the earth into a black hole it would be i don't know like a millimeter a centimeter wide (laughs) the entire earth that's pretty small i could fit that in my pocket the escape velocity from earth is a certain speed i don't know exactly what it is but it's it's constant right Mm -hmm. so if you if you travel x kilometers a second away from the center of the earth you can get out right Mm -hmm. and that's what rockets do but if you're closer and closer if the earth gets smaller and smaller and you're closer and closer to it you're gonna have to travel faster to leave it Mm. because you're closer to that center of mass and the pull gets stronger yeah because the mass is becoming that much more powerful is it not if it's being condensed into like a small little like into a marble Mm -hmm. like a small marble yeah right, then the power of that mass is going to be that much stronger, is it not? Yeah, because gravity changes based on the distance from the center of the mass. So if the center of the mass to the surface of it is three millimeters versus however however many million (laughs) (laughs) centimeters it is currently, then that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so if you were where we are now and we were around a black hole that was the mass of the Earth, the escape velocity would be the same. But if you're getting closer and closer to the center of that black hole, then your escape velocity would be more and eventually past the event horizon, wherever that is. And that depends on the mass of the black hole, then past that event horizon, even if you're going at the speed of light, you can't get out. You can't leave. Whatever rockets you strap to your back, you're not traveling out. So this may seem like a silly question because I don't really know in terms of what we have proven and what is theory. Do we have any shred of evidence that a black hole is real oh yeah okay so what evidence do we have at this point in time i guess evidence wouldn't be theories and calculations right no no (laughs) (laughs) not not my opinion (laughs) like true evidence well i think that um a long time ago um like in the 1930s um there was a, a radio astronomer i guess he wasn't even an astronomer he was just like radio aficionado um, his name was like Edward Jansky or something. And he was he was trying to improve voice telephone systems mm. across the States, right? Mm. So they were installing telephones. Um, but there was a lot of static. So he was like, where's the static coming from in these in the in the telephone lines? A lot of it was coming from thunderstorms. <laughs> and a lot of it was actually coming from uh, one of the stars in the constellation of Sagittarius, mm. which is like obviously the <laughs> well-known. Yeah. Um, astrology sign but uh <laughs> very solid uh, science right there astrology astrology yeah. yeah i i heard that sagittarius is are, are very handsome yes uh well read mm-hmm. <laughs> yep intelligent oh yeah yeah and they make amazing podcasts oh yeah a hundred percent i mean i wish i knew a couple of them I, i've never met a sagittarius personally <laughs> 
a Sagittarius. <laughs> so he was noticing that there was, for some reason, a lot of crazy static noise coming from this star in Sagittarius. So he's like, well, I don't really know what this is. So after a while, we started pointing telescopes at it. And only in 2020 did two astrophysicists. Um, one was a lady. Her name was Andrea Gez, and she's from America. And another one, I think, uh, Richard Genzel or something, and he was from Germany. Andrea was the fourth woman to win the Nobel Prize in physics. Oh, wow. Which is, I mean, in 2020, that's... Wow, that's pretty sad. I mean, good good accomplishment, but something tells me that I there know. was more than four women that have contributed to science. Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, boy. It's, it's a little bit uh, disappointing. So she won a quarter of a Nobel Prize because their Nobel Prize was split with Kip Thorne. I don't know why they're dividing them like that. Just give one or give five. Just... Yeah. Couldn't even give her the fourth woman, and they couldn't even give her a full one. <laughs> she got a quarter of a Nobel Prize, <laughs> but uh, her and uh, her and and her partner there, they proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that that weird staticky noise that was coming from the direction of that star in Sagittarius was a black hole. Okay, one hundred percent beyond a shadow of a doubt. They studied it fourteen different ways over like you know ninety years or whatever, mm-hmm. and and figured out you know what this is a black hole for sure. So what was it then that brought him to that final conclusion 90 years later that they can confirm this? Like not all the tests that they ran, but what is what was the final result that came that they came to the table and said, well, this is the reason why this is a black hole and it's irrefutable. I think what happens in a lot of experimental physics is you have a hypothesis, which is an idea, mm-hmm. an explanation, a possible explanation. Hey, we're seeing this weird noise. Maybe it's a black hole. So then you develop tests or ideas on how to test your hypothesis. Well, if we do this and this result comes back, then it's probably a black hole. If we do this and a test comes back and it comes back this way, then we know it's a black hole, right? So people have been doing these kinds of experiments, radio astronomy, x-ray astronomy for many years, right? 90 years, um, trying to study this thing. And so there's like evidence. There's like shreds. There's information. But it's not like a proof. Okay. Necessarily, right? So there's looks something. like a black hole, quacks like a black hole, smells like a black hole. But do you really know? So what they did um, through two different means, and that's why they each got the half of the half of the Nobel Prize, and they're independent uh, workers as well, um, is that they developed a robust proof. Like this, you know, we've proved it from so many different directions. We've taken all the science that's been done before, combined it into this proof, and we've shown. That it's a black hole so that's interesting right so they came up with a theory which obviously this is not this isn't new this is the way science works like you said before mm-hmm. came up with a theory and basically test after testing it over 90 years the theory fits yeah that's basically what that's the evidence the evidence is that all the testing that they've done supports the theory but there's not a concrete like here's a picture of a black hole or here's here's Sir John and Susie, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, in front of the black in hole, front of the black hole, you know, yeah. like with their peace signs up and stuff like that, <laughs> like that that type of evidence, which is what we tend to believe as being evidence, is not what we have. But what we have is that the tests that they've run over ninety years supports the theory. Is yeah, that correct? So many observations, and all okay. the observations are agreeing, and they they've kind of put the cherry on top of all the data and. 
and tied it all up in a bow, right? To mix the metaphors. I like it. I like it. You know, roll up the sidewalks. It's time to close up shop. You know, let's go home. We gave it 110%. And I'm sure that there's a couple of other things we can throw in there, but we'll just leave those there. So now we've got proof. Okay. Yeah. We, we, we have workable proof based on all the experiments that have been done. Cool. We've accepted that they're black holes, that they exist. Mm-hmm. What's next? Like, what do you do with that? Like, how how do you move forward? How do you investigate it more? How do you get something in there or around there? I mean, it's not like it's not like somebody seeing a unidentified flying object and that they can videotape something. You can't get around a black hole, can you? They're all really far away. Mm-hmm. One of the, I think, the closest black hole ever was discovered last year and that one is about 1000 light years away <laughs> so that seems i mean that's not a ttc drive no so if you're traveling at the speed of light it would take you a thousand years to get there and we usually travel like 100 kilometers an hour like it's not even yeah comparable so <laughs> so it took a thousand years for that information to reach us that light yeah that that light yeah that's that's interesting what are they hoping to do? Like, what what are they, how do they want to further their cause or further their data on black holes and what the hell it even means to us? Because at this point in time, I don't even know what black holes mean to us on Earth. Yeah, I think they mean a lot of things. Okay. I think that they are so extreme. They're, they're exciting, right? If you're a skier and you're on bunny hills all day... You're like, this is cool. I kind of like this. Hey, look, there's a cliff over there. You want to jump off it and ski down it? Maybe, right? So it's it's a little sexy. It's a little dangerous. You know you can't get there because it'll kill you. Um, so you want to study it. You want to understand it. And who knows? Maybe try to find a way to beat it, right? We, as humans, we love to become the top of the heap, we want to understand everything and we want to control everything. At this point, it's impossible to imagine even controlling a black hole. But in like 1915, when Einstein uh, released his theory of general relativity, he said, yeah, I mean, black holes could exist, but really can't imagine that they would. Can't Mm -hmm. imagine ever uh, observing them, measuring them, detecting them. So it's probably just a weird artifact in in the math. It's probably just an extreme. Are black holes the answer to time travel? Listen, that's another podcast. (laughs) Also kind of a movie. (laughs) But wait, let me finish your last. Okay, go. Let me finish your last question. Then we can go into time travel. Sounds good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we'd like to, we'd like to understand that the extremes of the universe, we want to control. We want to be the masters of the universe, right? Why not? Uh, The other thing is that uh, we would like to understand a theory of everything. Mm -hmm. So right now we have one thing called general general relativity, which feeds into the standard model of physics. And that's kind of the theory of like how everything works. However, there's something called quantum mechanics, which describes things at the really, 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 really tiny scales. Gravity explains things at really large scales, obviously, like universes. Um, but you have quantum mechanics, which describes really, really tiny scales. At the really, really tiny scales inside a black hole, these theories do not fit together. Mm-hmm. Like, 
scientists, we obviously can't go in there. We can't take photographs or do experiments. But the uh, theoretical scientists doing the math, the math does not work out. It does not. (laughs) Nothing equals each other. (laughs) Yeah. So Einstein's theory, general theory of relativity falls apart at the quantum mechanical level. That's correct. Yeah. So that's interesting. And quantum mechanics being what it is right now, which seems to be for the pessimist, a lot of gibberish and hogwash because (laughs) they do explain. I've heard it. I'm not going to say that I understand it anyways, but I've heard it explained in so many different ways. But really what it always comes back to is just just believe it's there. Just just have faith that quantum mechanics is actually yeah, a thing. Yeah, it is so much smaller than we can imagine mm-hmm. in our daily life, right? So, mm. it, so it's so much smaller than we can imagine. But scientists have been able to prove these ideas in the lab. Um, but they're looking at these tiny, tiny, tiny scales. Mm-hmm. And so the third thing about black holes is that they kind of make us question our place in the universe. Mm. Um, and that goes with a lot of modern physics quantum mechanics we can't imagine things that are that tiny but we can prove they exist Mm -hmm. why does that even matter to me i don't know like i'm made up of these things whatever these quantum particles are right like i'm made up of atoms and electrons and things that i cannot even ever think to see but it's been proven that they exist and then i also exist on a planet in a solar system in a galaxy in a nebula in a universe like only in our galaxy so our galaxy is a bunch of stars orbiting around a central black hole there's 200 billion stars in this galaxy Mm -hmm. the milky way there's other galaxies out there millions of other galaxies Mm -hmm. so there's just too many stars to count so how does that make you feel about your place in the universe I mean, it makes me feel that if somebody feels that this is the only planet that has intelligent life on it, that all you have to do is run through those numbers because probability is going to tell you that it's way more likely that there is multitudes of intelligent life. Oh, yeah. 100%. Everywhere, right? Uh, and, and that's not even to get into, and we won't get into it because it's another podcast as well, <laughs> but that's not even to get into the ideas of other intelligent life's biological makeup being completely different than ours. Absolutely. So we look at, we tend to look at the, these things in a bubble where it's, oh, okay, if you have water, if you have, you know, warmth, you have sun, you know, you've got the ability to be able to create life. What about if life is created of other things on other planets because those single cell organisms developed in a different way? right? Yeah. That's the thing that blows my mind. So yeah, I, I mean, and not to go the easy route of answering the question in terms of it makes me feel really small. <laughs> it actually makes me feel like this, whatever existence, let's say, because it c- keeps getting bigger and bigger, out, you know, out to nebulous. Mm-hmm. This existence is way more vast than we ever gave it credit for. Yeah. So, what, know. what, what does it even mean? So we have these, you know, yeah, there's theories of relativity which explain how time changes depending on how fast you're moving. But honestly, like when you're down at these really, really, really tiny sizes, the quantum lengths, time means different things, right? And then you have these things that are like a fraction of 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 a second, like a millionth of a millionth of a fraction of a second. And those things mean something mm-hmm. in quantum mechanics. Mm-hmm. And then there's humans where it's just like well what'd you do yesterday well i don't know 
right? Like a day goes by and you almost forget, right? And then we have something like 80 years on this. And that's, for us, that's infinity. That's all we get. Mm-hmm. 80 years in the life of the earth, peanuts. In the life of the sun, less peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> in the life of the universe, like it's just less than a blink of an eye. Well, we can go two different directions here because you know my my affliction and my affinity for time. Yeah. So we can go that route or we can get into, you've referenced it a couple of times, our black hole. Our black we hole. We talk a lot about our sun. Yes. But we never really talk about our black hole. So let's, let's kind of explore that a little bit. What I... do you mean our black hole? We have a black hole? I love that. I love the way you said that. I mean... I guess you don't really think of it that way, or we, we don't always think of it that way, but there is a supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy. Like at the center... Okay, what do you mean at the center of our galaxy? So when you look at the Milky Way, mm. right, you look at the night sky, there's like a, a white swath of stars, kind of like a band of stars. Mm. And so what we're doing is we're looking at the spiral shape of our Milky Way from the side, right? So we're in one of the arms and... You're looking towards the center, mm-hmm. right? That's where all the stars are. So it's kind of like a disc and you're looking through and you're seeing towards the center of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. We're really far away. We're, I don't even know how many thousands of light years or... Hundreds of thousands, who, millions. Yeah, who someone knows? can Google that, but <laughs> it doesn't matter for the purposes of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so we're looking towards the center of the Milky Way whenever we see the Milky Way in the sky at night. Right in the center, there's something really, 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 really massive. And I mean, who knows what it could be, right? Is it like just a really big star? Well, scientists have been looking there for a really long time. They're like, there's no star there. We'd be able to see it or measure the light coming off of it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Instead, they see things like x-rays and gamma rays, like gamma radiation. And they see, they can study the rotation of the suns and the stars around this really, really, really massive heavy object. It's not releasing any light. Those things are reacting to something through gravity, really, really heavy. What could it be? Well, I mean. So in this existence, we accept that there's generally a yin yin and a yang to everything. Mm -hmm. There's pros, cons, there's negative, positive, there's all of this stuff. What is the opposite of a sun? Hmm. The sun emits this energy, this power. I wonder if you could really say opposite, but... Suns have like a life cycle. Mm. There's a star formation. Then there's like a living healthy sun like we have. And then there's a point at which stars burn out their fuel and die. Mm -hmm. And so you can become something like a white dwarf or a brown dwarf or even something like a crazy neutrino star. Uh, Oh, sorry. (laughs) They become something like a neutron star. Mm -hmm. Um, but in extreme cases where the force, so when a star kind of, a lot of times when it stops burning up its fuel, it does something called a supernova, Mm -hmm. right? And we've seen that in movies, just a big explosion in the sky. And the last time we've seen one was like three, uh, 600 years ago or something like that. You could see it in the night sky. Maybe I think at daytime too, but it's close enough. 
Um, but a star goes supernova. So it's just you're exploding everything out into space. But sometimes if there's enough mass left over, it's actually going to pull that stuff back in. Mm. And then that gravity, because there's no longer the star isn't burning and pushing stuff out through the force of like nuclear fusion and, and explosive uh, energy. You don't have that pushing out. So gravity is just pulling it all in mm. and in and in and in. And then you have the formation of a black hole. So the formation of a black hole comes from a supernova. Yeah, from a from a sun, from a star basically imploding. So the theory that is at the center of our galaxy, our neb- galaxy or nebula? Galaxy, yeah. Galaxy is a supermassive black hole. Yes. However, so- that is so big. So supermassive means that it's like a million or a billion times the mass of our sun. We don't know of any stars that can turn into that kind of black hole so we don't really know how those black holes were created but yeah so there's these things called solar mass black holes which is just a, st- a sun uh that's bigger than ours like at least probably 10 times the mass of our sun up to like a million times the mass of our sun that implodes and turns into a black hole and then there's these things called supermassives they're not really sure where they where they came from we see them they're at the centers of galaxies the size of those black holes seems to be related to the size of the galaxy that it's at the center of, but nobody knows why. Well, so the interesting thing to me is that you would have to be able to have th- certain things either escape the pull of this black hole mm-hmm. or it's simultaneously allowing things to escape and swallowing up to get bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Do, do black holes, do they know if black holes work that way? As you swallow more stuff up, does it get bigger that way? Like, how does it gain its mass? Oh, yeah. That's Yeah, where... so we've seen, or scientists, not me personally, but <laughs> <laughs> I've looked at pictures. <laughs> but scientists have seen black holes swallow up stars, and they basically, like, slurp up all the gas. Like, you can see the gas flying into the black hole. Wow. And then... Obviously, it orbits around the black hole. It's it it wrote, uh, revolves around and gets compressed and starts rubbing up against each other. And, and we can see that heat being generated and all those X-rays being uh, released out into space. And we can measure those. Um, so we've seen black holes swallow up stars. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. We've also seen black holes collide, mm. right? And that that's that gravitational wave experiment that they... They first recorded, they recorded the first one in February 2016, like almost immediately after they built it. They're like, holy crap, these are these gravitational waves, which are so weak. But we built these crazy interferometers to measure, (laughs) to measure them. Einstein said, for sure, we're never going to measure gravitational waves. And we did that in 2016. Wow. So we saw two black holes crash into each other through these measurements of gravitational waves. And what was their findings when those those black holes crashed? Like gravitational waves are a measurement of space literally rippling. Mm. Like, like water ripples when you throw a stone into it. Space ripples when two masses crash into each other. That doesn't seem healthy. It's it's It makes <laughs> you feel a little scared, eh? You're like, space is just nothing, right? Yeah. No, space is bent. Space is curved. You know what's in space? everything Morty everything literally everything is in space space is a freaky thing and it's getting bigger right like we said space is expanding so then what is stopping the supermassive black hole from sucking up 
everything around it if it's that big. The way I see it, I think it's a dance. Mm. I think all these giant masses are each attracting each other. Everyone's rotating around each other. And they're all spinning around the black hole. They're all spinning around each other. Who knows? Maybe eventually we'll all get sucked in. But that's going to be like trillions and trillions of years. Because the way that I look at it, yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that theory. It's possible. I like that. That's an interesting thought. Because the way I'm looking at it is we're spinning with these arms just full of galaxies, right? Yeah. And just spinning and spinning and spinning. The The power of the masses yeah. can at least sustain and or live in the power of the black hole. Yeah, like think about like think about our solar system compared to the Milky Way galaxy. We're a bunch of planets all orbiting the sun, right? Everyone's kind of you're where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> we can predict where we're going to be 100 years from now. So it's pretty stable, right? Everyone's revolt like, yeah, we're being sucked in towards the sun. But you know what? We're also going around it. And that's what keeps us going around. The fact that we are being pulled in. Instead, we're actually going around it. Yeah, in that in, in that elliptical, right? Yeah. Too, which makes a big difference. Yeah. So we're like, we're kind of, if you, you can say like we're falling towards the sun. But since we're at a certain speed... We're not going to fall into it. We're just falling around it. And that's what orbiting is. Right. And so if you think about our Milky Way galaxy, the spiral arm galaxy, um, all of our solar systems in this galaxy with all the suns and all the maybe tiny black holes that are in there, they're all orbiting around the center of the galaxy. Hmm. Right? So Mm -hmm. they are where they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Are they eventually going to fall in? Who knows? Do we have any estimate of how many black holes there are out there? Oh, man. Like like a ton. Wow. Like a ton of black holes. They're everywhere. How can they exist out there? Like, how big is space that all these giant, powerful things can exist and not just either swallow each other up, you know, survival of the fittest, mm-hmm. bigger black hole just swells up, swallows up a little one, or they just start sucking up things that are not as powerful as them anyways and just become bigger and bigger and bigger. It's... It's hard to imagine. I guess one thing that saves it is space is pretty empty. Mm. <laughs> you can go a long way without hitting something unless you're Rick and Morty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And space then... is pretty empty. But yeah, I mean, black holes, they, they they come up on a planet or they come up on a star. You're done for. If you're a big black hole, you can eat up that little black hole. No big deal. So what else in your... Um, interest, your studies, your dives on black holes have fascinated you that you think people maybe don't know that you think is actually valuable for people to know? There's a couple of things. One is um, in 2019, they took the first picture of a black hole Mm. that made big news everywhere um, because they have a picture of a black hole. I mean, it's like thousands of light years away. We're never going to go there. Um, But it's just like, holy we can take a picture of this. Um, and it's not, you know, there's like a black spot in the center of it. It's not technically the black hole. It's like the light bending around it. Um, but it's still, it's it's photographic proof. It's really cool. That's insane. And then the other thing is, I mean, I love seeing it portrayed in movies. We saw... <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this. Yeah, so... We saw a movie lately called uh, The Black Hole. The Black Hole. Yeah. Now, those for, for those of you paying attention at home, The Black Hole, uh, just to kind of interject here, was Disney's first uh, feature-length film. 
No, it's Disney's first PG-rated film. PG-rated film. That's right. Yeah. 1969 or 79? It was 79. And it was, yeah, it was live action. Obviously science fiction. Yeah. (laughs) Neil deGrasse Tyson called it the least scientifically accurate movie ever made. (laughs) Now, you know, you know my feelings about Neil deGrasse. The guy's brilliant. Of course, he's a showman. Um, and he's gonna, he knows a hell of a lot more about physics than I do. Maybe maybe not a hell of a lot. Maybe just a little bit more. Just a little bit. Just a little bit more. <laughs> and um, so we had low expectations of this movie when we when we went to watch it mm-hmm. based on that. But it was an interesting flick. It was cool. I mean, it's a story of a bunch of uh, scientists traveling through space. Just, you know, coming back to Earth from some voyage. <laughs> of course, as you do. And they, they see a signal or they see a ship somewhere. Uh dangerously close to a black hole and they go and check it out the funny thing about that ship that they discover so their ship is called the uss palomino um the ship they discover is called the uss cygnus cygnus x1 is actually the first black hole that was ever uh, ever detected oh okay in um, 1964 they discovered it they they it's called x1 because it releases a ton of x-rays Oh. And so that's how they were able to observe that uh, that black hole through. Uh, they actually had to shoot um, like kind of rockets into the Earth, past the Earth's atmosphere. Like they shot rockets into space to measure these x-rays because thankfully the Earth's atmosphere blocks x-rays from hitting us. It's probably a, a pretty good feature. <laughs> yeah, pretty good feature. Yeah. Our planet. <laughs> <laughs> when you're looking at cars and planets, those are the two things that you like. <laughs> Just as an add-on. Yeah, so Cygnus X1 was the first black hole ever discovered, and the USS Cygnus is the ship that they discover orbiting around the black hole. Okay. Um, but, I mean, it's very fun. It was dramatically overbaked. Yeah. Um, some pretty famous actors in there. Yeah. And um, some really great model work, I would say. Yeah. Like, the practical effects were really cool. I think the drama of it was that, I mean, Black holes were really new, like in the 70s, like Stephen Hawking, Kip Thorne, all those famous physicists, they were really going hard after the theories of black holes. Like, do they even exist? Mm -hmm. Like Stephen Hawking bet Kip Thorne in 1975 that Cygnus X1 wasn't a black hole. So Hawking said, I really, really believe this isn't a black hole. If I lose, I'm going to buy Kip Thorne a year of penthouse. Oh, God. Uh, and Kip Thorne said, dude, this is totally a black hole. Um, if you, you know, if I lose, I'll buy you f- uh, four years of like private eye, which was some sort of like Inquirer magazine. Oh, my God. And so <laughs> 15 years later in, uh, I think, n- 1990, uh, Hawking conceded the bet that Cygnus X1 was a black hole. <laughs> and is it just because he couldn't disprove it? Um, that's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which is good news for everybody, right? So Hawking's like, well, I'll bet against black holes, even though it's kind of my research. Yeah. So if I lose, at least I get a consolation prize. For sure. It's yeah. hedging your bets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there was like a certain like romantic mystery about black holes in the 70s. Everyone was like, what are these things? And you could hear it in the dialogue, right? Like they say things like, it's a rip in the fabric of space and time. <laughs> It's like, no, it's just a lot of mass compressed into a very small area. And yeah, physics breaks down. But that doesn't mean or we don't have the physics to currently describe it. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that like space and time break down. It's not like a hole in space or time. 
I think that that's where it's interesting because a movie that's done in the 70s, you know, 79 Mm -hmm. can be forgiven because of the time in which it was made to a degree. But then you do look at what Kubrick did with 2001. And although it's not focused on black holes, I mean, there is some really very theoretical stuff that he explores there. I mean, to the point where they weren't even on the moon before the movie started being filmed. So they had even less data at that point in time. Uh, so I could see where, where Neil deGrasse would rip it apart a bit, but I mean, the leap years ahead from 79 to now in terms of the information that we have on black holes, it's drastically different. Absolutely. So then we have a movie, um, Interstellar, which mm-hmm. came out a few years ago and they actually had, uh, Kip Thorne, that famous physicist. He was, um, the advisor on that film and the executive producer, he was able to provide like a lot. He was able to provide the equations to the computer animators to visualize the black holes. Uh, the black hole, I think there's only one in that movie. Mm-hmm. And the wormhole. Oh. Right? So that weird little sphere orbiting Saturn, if wormholes existed, which they probably don't, it would look like that. Wow. Um. Somebody said, I forgot who it was, but black or wormholes are as theoretical as a time traveling DeLorean, (laughs) you know? So it's like, yeah, a wormhole is like literally a hole in space. Mm -hmm. I think in Interstellar, they might have explained it. They took a piece of paper, they folded it in half and they poked a pencil Mm -hmm. through it. You can get from one side of the paper to the other side through the hole. So that would be a wormhole, except the paper is space. Yeah, and for those people who uh, who are out there like myself, uh, horror fans, Happy <laughs> Death Day explores the the same oh, concept yeah. and that rip. It's it's basically that rip in time and space. That's where that is. That's a wormhole. Yeah, that's a wormhole. Never been seen. Never mm. been just. It just exists in math space. Yeah, and physicists' imaginations and movie makers' imaginations. Right. I love it. I think Donnie Darko even plays a little bit with wormholes. Right, like those yeah. weird. Uh, those weird uh, bubbles that he follows. Oh, yeah. I think they're described as Einstein, Rosen Bridges. And I think, I mean, that's what wormholes are called. But anyways. Man. <laughs> so the black hole in in Interstellar is probably the most accurately depicted black hole ever in film. Wow. Because it was developed, like it was, <laughs> it was pretty much overseen by a senior physicist the calculations are based on a guy who won a nobel peace prize or a portion of one yeah he he, he won half a nobel prizes last wow. year <laughs> wow you know that, but it, that uh, so that's interesting to me in a couple of ways one the depiction of that black hole and that that movie was so mind-blowing to us mm-hmm. uh, especially me because it was the first time i watched it with you that I, I was I was astonished at what I was watching. But it, it did seem like it was just a movie idea. And that's cool. But to get that information is pretty phenomenal. And then again, you go back to Kubrick, 2001. And his depiction of going through a black hole. Because that's essentially the same thing. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like we, we we're still unclear. a few times. <laughs> and so far, whatever a hole he goes through, I mean, that... That's a bunch of psychedelic nonsense, right? As far as I I can tell. And yeah. I've tried to, you know, when you, you look away for a second and then something's completely changed. Like, yeah. that's what it feels like. He's doing some sort of magic trick on you. Yeah. Like, oh, and then we're in this crazy psychedelic hole. Like, what happened? Maybe he's just doing the same thing that they've been doing for years, like a Hitchcock, a master of it. 
you know, just allowing you to fill in the blanks. Yeah. Right. Because now we do know more. We have talked about stuff. We have seen depictions of this. I think we watched. Did we watch 2001 after or before? I think it might have been before. But either way, we have information. So we kind of fill in the blanks on that. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's what he did there. But it will be interesting to go back and watch it again. Uh, as I'm sure that we will. And it's so funny because like we don't know what happens in a black hole. Of so, you know, an artist puts it up on the screen and says, this is what happens in a black hole. Matthew McConaughey rides his robot into a black hole, right? Yeah. Okay. Can't can't disprove it. <laughs> that <laughs> Try may... it and see, right? <laughs> Do you have more on black holes? Is there anything more, more than black holes? Yeah, let, well, let's let's ride it out for a little bit. I think time is going to be another episode altogether because yes. time. I can go off on my my soapbox about my ideas of time and all that jazz. <laughs> I've I've done it before. I think people are probably sick of it, but I think we could do a really fun one or maybe get a, a panel or something. Yeah, right. People with different experiences of time. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, in the times that we live in. Time is super relative. Nobody knows what day it is anymore. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's non-existent. Even more so now than before. Just like money. Just, okay, yeah, don't, don't even. He's opened up cans of worms, ladies and gentlemen. Well, then let's let's see black holes through to the end. Yeah, or to the end of what we know. Yeah, so I think. Um, or even theorize, because I'm interested to know if you do have any theories based on your research, as to what black holes are doing, what you think they are. Yeah, let me finish um, talking about Interstellar Mm -hmm. because um, in Interstellar, they actually come out of that wormhole or I forget how they're traveling exactly, but they come out of that wormhole and they're really close to a black hole. It's called Gargantua, right? And they want to go to this one planet um, where I think Matt Damon's on that planet, Mm -hmm. right? Your your best friend, Matt Damon. You're so happy to see him. So happy. He's there. (laughs) So they they come up on this planet. They're going to get Matt Damon because he's saying it's like a great... Or, oh, no, sorry, that's totally wrong because it's the water planet. Okay. Right? They oh. Go to, yeah, they go to, they go to find us. Yeah, because Matt signal. Damon's on the ice planet, right? Matt Damon's on the ice yeah, planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So Matt Damon's not there. So everyone's no. disappointed. Everyone's disappointed. I'm even more disappointed now. Yeah. But they end up on the water planet because they think it might be habitable. They realize it's all water. Some bad stuff happens. They get trapped down there for a while. And when they come back up, their friend is old Mm -hmm. he has lived 24 years all alone in the spaceship without them and he's been orbiting essentially he's been orbiting he's been far away from that planet and therefore far away from that black hole whereas they've been on the planet and really close to the black hole and this is where time is moving at different paces and so you've got there's your theory of relativity put into movies so they're closer to this big source of gravity they're moving at different velocity their time is moving differently than his time, who's far away from the black hole, who isn't being affected by the force of gravity as much. Um, and so his time is passing differently. So then time is just essentially a decay factor. Okay, explain. Well, if you're moving at a certain velocity, you're not decaying as fast. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So that's basically what's going on, because all, all getting old is, is decaying, if you think about it in that way. Yeah, so if you go up and orbit the Earth real fast for a while, yeah, you won't age as much. Yeah, well, they have said that about astronauts, not so much so, but I mean, traveling, you know, out of the planet and stuff like that, Yeah, it, it does alter. I think we've even seen it in some movies, not depicted very well, but... Um, our our friend, our Italian uh, physicist <laughs> Ravelli, yeah, uh, he talks a lot about that. The further the further away you are 
like even from a mountain to sea level, mm -hmm. time actually does travel differently. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying, those little increments of time yeah. that seem, you know, unfathomable to us, they are measurable. Yeah. So if you do have a larger scale, like, a, you know, you're close to a black hole versus just here on Earth, then it does stand to reason that time would move in a different way based yeah. on what they know, right? Based yeah, on the so math. Yeah, like mass, speed, or I guess acceleration and time. They're all tied together and that's E equals MC squared. It's all of Einstein's theories. So if you have like a really big mass, time is going to travel differently near that mass because that huge mass is actually bending space. It's curving space. So your space is different, like a bowling ball on a mattress, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So so that's what a black hole is. It's not like a thing. It's actually just like a, a curvature of space. It's like a thing that some, everything falls into mm. because it's so attractive. So in Interstellar, they're like really close to this huge black hole, which is aptly named Gargantua. Um, and they're basically, they you know, they explain it in the film, like one hour on the surface of this planet close to the black hole is actually seven years on Earth. Man. Um, so they waste a bunch of time down there and McConaughey's daughter gets old. You know, like all this stuff happens while they're messing around on the surface of this planet. But what happens in reality, so it's all good for movies, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, that's a little bit of runaway science because theoretically, yeah, there are places where time travels differently from where another person is. Um, but if you were in that planet, it would be so close to the black hole that its gravitational force would actually tear you apart. Mm. And in reality, that planet would probably have been torn apart if it was that close to the black hole. Like we talk about black holes sucking things up. Mm -hmm. And so that's like another, it's a really fun word, right? Do you know what it is? No. Oh, spaghettification. Spaghettification. Yes, spaghettification. <laughs> I love that. Yes. So it's related to like how close you are to a black hole and how much the force of gravity is changing. Uh, right? Because we know that gravity changes based on the distance from the center of the mass. Mm -hmm. So if you're if the mass is really, really big or really, really massive and you're really, really close to it, you're going to feel it much stronger. So if your feet are facing towards it and your head is facing away, your feet are going to feel that force stronger because your feet are closer to it. Mm -hmm. So if it's so massive and you're close enough, your feet are actually going to be pulled towards it. Your head's going to be over here somewhere, your head's going to be pulled off. That's crazy. And so that's basically what sp spaghettification is. And it's terrible. I that's how we know we wouldn't survive going into a black hole. Yeah. Um, but it's also, I mean, it causes tides on Earth, right? Tides are good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's a tidal force. So your body would just be feeling an extreme tidal force. And that's what spaghettification is. And so if that planet was so close to Gargantua it would be feeling such extreme tidal forces that it would probably be torn apart. Which is what they did depict in, in the, like not to the true sense of it. Like mm -hmm. you're saying, the science would dictate that that planet would be, be obliterated. You wouldn't even be able to walk on it. But they did try to do that with the tidal waves, like the literal tidal waves. The water was crazy. It was crazy. violent, yeah, right? It was yeah. choppy and, and scary. So yeah. So yeah. They, they, they did it, but in the, in the realm of science fiction. Yeah, of course, they've got a story to tell and they've got a vision. But yeah, you're right. Like the body would just be ripped apart. Yeah, it's just dramatic. God, that's so cool. And then also like the other thing about around a black hole is like I talked about, there's all these gases and particles orbiting around. Some of some of them are being uh, are falling in. 
but some of them are still orbiting. They still have enough energy to stay going around it. Like mm-hmm. I said, falling around it rather than falling in. Mm-hmm. So those things, like they get crunched closer and closer together. They start rubbing up against each other. They're forming radiation, right? X-rays, gamma rays. That stuff, if you're close enough to a black hole, that stuff might kill you. Mm-hmm. Humans aren't that good at, <laughs> yeah. at, at, at tolerating radiation. But one of the things that we had talked about before in terms of the black holes, we were talking about the black holes being the center of every universe. Every um, galaxy. Every galaxy. Yeah. Right. And how I couldn't wrap my head around it at first. And I still don't know that I do. But, you know, the black hole kicking up all this stuff, causing things to be, you know, spinning around, spinning around, spinning around, things bouncing off each other, certain things falling in, like you said, Mm -hmm. certain things getting kicked out. And, you know, going through its metamorphosis, becoming a planet. And this is how galaxies then may form. Is this something that they know has happened? Like, is is this how we believe that galaxies form now? Well, it's because galaxies form over such long periods of time. um, We can't really watch them form. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot of it is like really theoretically, we can develop theories and then look at the galaxies that we can see and be like okay that kind of yeah if that theory was correct yeah that's what it would look like Mm -hmm. um but we've never actually watched one form um and that's why that i think that correlation between the mass of the black hole at the center of a galaxy and the number of stars or like the number of things in that galaxy um like that correlation is really interesting to me Mm -hmm. why are they related there has to be the ability for these things to not fall in right they have to be able to be kicked out so that that has to be either chance mm-hmm. which it seems like a lot of this stuff is just yeah. happens to be in the right place at the right time or one escapes out while something else is falling in oh man right can i do one can i talk about yeah. one more please thing? do yeah because i know this is like a lot of physics <laughs> but remember how i said like once you go in you can never go out basically that means that it's a one-way trip so space mm-hmm. Is traveling in one direction and which would support everything moving away from each other yeah oh no no inside the black hole space is one directional you can only go towards the singularity inside oh. the center of black hole right like you know a time time is one dimensional out mm. here yeah sure yes okay <laughs> most people for say... argument's sake yes <laughs> man this is gonna be weird to unpack in another episode <laughs> <laughs> But how time is moving one dire- one directionally yeah. here, space actually only moves one directionally uh, past the event horizon of a black hole. You're only going to fall in. You can't go out once you pass that event horizon. That makes me think that time is going to be working differently inside that black hole. It could be, yeah. That's like the physics breakdown. Yeah. But anyways, like we were saying, like nothing can ever leave. Like right. that's kind of the the definition of the black hole. Right. Stephen Hawking. Because he loves to be a little bit different, right? He's like, I'm the smartest man on earth. I'm going to come up with a way that, you know what? Information is going to come out of black holes. <laughs> so what he figured out, and that is actually called, oh, it's the black hole information paradox. Um, what he's saying is that because of like crazy quantum fluctuations in space, sometimes you have these things called particles and antiparticles. And they just spontaneously come out of space and then they smack in together and disappear it happens this is a quantum thing right quantum physicists are like this this is totally happening all the time it's happening right here it's happening everywhere trust me guys yeah trust me guys particle antiparticle just spontaneously come out together hit each other and end of story done (laughs) so what happens if a a matter particle an antimatter particle pop up right beside the event horizon Mm. of a black hole Mm. 
What if one of those gets sucked in? Then you have a lonely particle that has information because it was the same except opposite. So that one got sucked in. This one's by itself. So mm -hmm. it actually has information that's in the black hole. Oh, I see. So it didn't escape. It never went in there. But its twin is out for us to examine. Yeah. And you're like, what the heck? So then that thing, it kind of like evaporates. I think if it's like an antimatter, it goes and touches a matter particle, it evaporates, right? But what happens is like there's energy because because it... It uses, the black hole actually uses up energy in sucking up that particle. A little bit of energy is then lost because that other particle is off doing its own thing in the universe. Mm. So black holes then are kind of evaporating. Oh. If a black hole is just kind of sitting in space doing its own thing, surrounded by empty, empty space, not eating anything, it's eventually going to evaporate because of this weird quantum particle, anti-particle thing. So it needs to be consuming in order to survive and or expand. Kind of, yeah. Wow. And so then the creepy thing is like, we really believe that everything that's created, uh, like there's always a balance in everything, right? Mm -hmm. If you're creating something, if you're destroying something, something else gets created. Like there's always a balance, like uh, energy always balances out. Mm -hmm. um, there's never like things balance each other out in the world. Like you just know this from, from physics and science. So if a black hole forms by absorbing information, it's, it's gobbling up planets it's gobbling up sun it's go gobbling up signals it's full of information if this thing is like slowly evaporating over time that information is gone forever oh wow that can't be possible so physicists are like desperately trying to figure out where that information goes because like you pour water down a drain it goes somewhere mm -hmm. um it doesn't just disappear right so if you pour a bunch of things into a black hole something's like it can't just be gone unless it's going into another existence <laughs> and that is not substantiated <laughs> by any science but we love doing it matthew mcconaughey loves uh going into black holes and coming out on the other sides of bookcases right <laughs> so We've been able to imagine fun and alternate theories of, you know, if there's such thing as the other side of a black hole. Um, yeah, I mean, Google white holes mm. if you want to just blow your mind, right? Because black hole is things can only go in. A white hole is a theoretical construct where things can only come out. So maybe there's a white hole on the other end of that black hole. It would make sense to me. And that's all I got to say. I think we're just going to stop it there. <laughs> I think that's that's the best possible solution, don't you? Do you not? I think it's wonderful. I, I think it's... leave them with a little bit of research to do, some major questions to ask. And um, honestly, if there's more questions, if there's interest, we can talk about this again. I think we're going to. We've been talking about this literally for over a year and a oh half. Oh my God. And we have time yeah. to break into a little bit, little bit more gravity. Gravity is still pretty weird. Gravity is still pretty questionable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, uh, thank you very much. I know that you're not a, theor a theoretical physicist, but you do have a tremendous amount of knowledge and a thirst and a curiosity. So I do appreciate you taking the time to sit down. Uh, I hope people got as much out of this as I did because it was fascinating sitting down and picking your brain on this. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Like, I'm so excited that we're finally sitting down to do this. It's been a long time in the works and um, this was a total blast. Awesome. Well, till we meet again. 